Well, today we have Nicole Pearl on the Dilly Dally podcast, a fashion, lifestyle, and beauty guru, and we connected over social. So Nicole, thanks so much for coming out today, and we're excited to hear your story. Awesome. I'm glad to be here. So Nicole, the whole premise of this podcast is to really dive into the world of creative, non-traditional careers, help people that are looking to make a pivot or they're, they're getting started in their career, understand A, what type of careers are out there, how to build something that's interesting, where like the intersection of creativity and business come into play. And also so much of what we do at Dilly is really focused on the beauty industry. And that's a you know, a perfect way of merging that creativity and business. So we're excited to have you here. So let's kind of go back to the beginning of your career journey and how did you get started? And what was like the first moment of your life that you knew you needed to build a less traditional career and really merge that creativity and business? So I am like the definition of an unconventional career because my whole career has kind of been, you know, sometimes they're like you plan or you think, and it just has completely evolved. And I've kind of allowed like organic things to happen, which has kind of directed me. Mm -hmm. um, so I started out initially when I moved into New York, I was an editorial fully. And I worked at like S Weekly in the yeah. heyday. And I thought I wanted to be a travel writer. And I fell into beauty. And then I fell in love with beauty. Mm -hmm. It is such a fun industry to be in. So I started as, you know, an editor at a beauty magazine. And being in beauty in the editorial world is super fun. It's really hard work. But I learned so much about science and skincare. And I got to meet like the top celebrity makeup artist. That's like how I learned how to do my makeup. Some people, you know, grow up being, they just knew that they were having a passion for beauty from day one. And I was that person that didn't wear a lot of makeup. And I really learned everything once I became an editor. Wow. And I just, it's a really fun industry because I think that people don't realize from the outside how complex and how it can really like transform people's lives mm -hmm. in terms of how they feel about themselves. And like you put on a red lipstick and it's not just a red lipstick. It might sound cliche, but like I've literally done events where it was like a red lipstick night and the way the women walked in compared mm -hmm. to the way they walked out mm -hmm. was transformative. I believe it. Yeah. And especially it's the yeah. different types of makeup too. It's like everyone has different skin tones and textures and different and the whole world of like color theory that is just complex within itself. And like going, getting the skincare and the science and that, that is just, we're finding out something new every single day. So that's really cool. And we always do wonder, like, did you grow up loving beauty, experimenting, maybe going through your mom's makeup drawer, makeup bag, or were you that friend who was always at the drugstore trying on different products? Or did you, you know, get to your mid twenties? You're like, wait, this is a really cool career. Maybe I was more into fashion growing up. And then you segue into beauty, but that's, that's interesting. So you, you found beauty kind of like later, but like still super early in your career. Right. And my exposure was like, I, my mom has always worn like false lashes before they were even trendy. Mm -hmm. I just thought that's what all moms did. And I grew up dancing. So like my experience with makeup and beauty was more within like the performance world. Mm -hmm. And then once I got into beauty and saw again, like all the complexities and also like I get off on discovering trends. And I used to go to fashion week and this was before 
you know, the influencing. So there was like a very select group of people that were determining what the trends were mm -hmm. and like always getting to see like the new launches and what's coming out and latest and greatest and testing and then being able to report on that. Like I still love discovering like indie beauty brands, mm -hmm. you know, it's awesome. so fun. And there's so yeah. many, there's so many brands coming out right now. So kind of like, so how can you explain your career? What do you do on a daily basis? What is your main picture goal? Uh, we'd love to like learn more about that. So my background is being, you know, a beauty editor in the editorial world. And then as we all know, like the industry has changed so much, I became a full-time freelance writer. And that then pivoted into me becoming a TV beauty and lifestyle expert. So really the last 10 years, while I've done some free freelancing or even 20 years, I've been pitching myself and showing up on regional national TV, talking about like beauty trends, the, you know, must have products and, and all that kind of stuff. And then since, and then we had another shift. So it's kind of like the career is ever evolving. And that's something that I feel like, I don't know, maybe you get 20 years in and you're kind of like, what's next? Mm -hmm. And I was in that place when the pandemic happened. And I'm like, should I have a podcast? Should I be doing this? And then it kind of like all hit me. And basically all of the expertise that I've gained over the last 20 years being in the media and pitching myself on TV, I realized a lot of small businesses like indie beauty brands were some of like my very first clients were looking to learn how do I get, how do I grow my brand awareness? How do I get featured in the media? How do I get on TV and like turn myself into like this household name? Mm -hmm. And so basically now this new iteration along with me still doing the media stuff is that I'm essentially a PR media coach teaching people how to do it for themselves wow. because, you know, not everybody has, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars that they can invest in marketing or a publicist. And so I think there's a lot of for a PR agency and, you know, yeah. so it's like, I want to empower you to know how to do it. I like that. That's I mean, your background, your experience is so fascinating because especially as you said, you witnessed and you were a part of beauty and fashion before the quote influencers kind of came onto the scene and that really changed marketing in so many different ways, especially with fashion week when there was only a handful of people at those shows taking in looks, you know, what are the eyeliner trends? Are we talking about like big lashes? Is it more focused on the lips, the cheeks, uh, hair trends? And now it's just been opened up. So there's a lot of interpretations. There's also like micro trends and macro trends. So you've seen it really through the different the ages of of marketing and and bringing products to market too but i, I really have and i think i was just going to say one of the best parts of kind of the change is that i think it's given space to the makeup artists and like the people that have always been like behind the lens i feel like now they are their own celebrities so that's been really cool to see them step into their own light and have all these new opportunities. Especially if, if they either are the face of the brand and they're saying this is how you use the products. And if there's something that is more artistry driven and more complicated for the average consumer and they're, they're able to help them understand it and apply it and feel comfortable. But then they're also like people like uh, Makeup by Mario. They're coming out with their own amazing um, makeup lines. I mean, can't even buy his palette anymore. It's sold out. Which is, <laughs> I was like, great job, Mario. It's uh, incredible. But yeah, and these indie brands, you know, they might be indie for a few years. And then next thing you know, they're at an end cap in Sephora 
but it's thanks to work like yours and helping them feel empowered to step into their own PR spotlight and, and understand marketing and how it's ever evolving. But so with that said, since marketing and PR, especially within a fast paced industry like beauty, this industry is super, super saturated. Do you feel that you constantly have to be in the know and research all the different marketing trends, what's working, what's not working? Because I'm sure what you're doing today is probably not what you were doing even six months ago uh, with and for your clients. It's interesting because even as an honor expert talking about beauty products. So often I find that what my clients think is their unique positioning or the way they want to present their brand is so not actually what consumers care about or want to hear. So that's almost like one of the biggest mistakes that I see some of the indie brands or, or brands in general making is that they get so caught up in one thing, but honestly, like that's not what, that's not going to convert. That's not what's going to connect with your potential, like your ideal customer. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that I work on a lot with them. It's, it's almost like, yes, you want to know who is your ideal client, your target customer. You want to know like those stats, but so many people don't realize the right way to like tell their story and how to communicate with them. Mm -hmm. And so I try to bring in like my editor's kind of perspective or the way that like I see even like in headlines or or what's going to connect with um, viewers if they're watching something. Yeah. So that's really what I try to like in terms of connecting the dots or, you know, realigning to make sure that what you think is your unique point of view, actually, maybe people care more about this, which is also a unique point of view. And that one point of difference can make the entire game change for them in the beauty industry, whether they want to really you know, drive success direct to consumer, get the attention of a Sephora detox market, Ulta, um, or really just, you know, shine on social media and, and beyond. So that's incredible. Yeah. So, like getting pitches all the time, just in terms of like words, like some people are like, yeah, we're, you know, clean beauty or we're at this, like none of the, we're, we're sustainable. Like we got to go beyond that because that was a couple of years ago when people were pitching me sustain, like that isn't going to as like a potential in the, you know, media world, like that's not going to move the needle for me. I need more than that. So how do you stay up to date with all these trends? Is it like sitting on social? Is it through like the editor crowd? Is it just like really like kind of like forecasting like what's to come and staying ahead of the curve? Like how, what, how do you keep your pulse on what's working? What's no longer serving the crowd? It's a combination of everything. It's staying in tune with like what's launching, testing products, seeing what's going on in social media, you know, checking the trades. And there's not like one thing you just kind of have to be in the know and you got to see like what is working and what's not or, you know, what what's the buzz right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then, okay, you're starting your career. Let's go back to kind of like the entrepreneurial journey and the taking risks. Uh, we love hearing these stories. So you're an editor. Was there a point where you were you always out on your own and freelancing or were you working full time and said, okay, now I want to go on my own. I want to freelance. I want to make this pivot. I want to take this scary leap, but such an incredible next step. Like, I was a staff mind? magazine editor and sadly shop, et cetera, folded. Mm -hmm. It closed. That was the magazine I was at the, at the time. So 
you know, I'd love to say, yeah, I'd have the guts to go out on my own and freelance full time, but I'm happy that I had that push to do it because, you know, you could have taken that experience and either pivoted careers or like let that get to you. But instead I used it to give me, I saw it as like an opportunity and it allowed me to write for so many different places. I got to freelance as an editor at so many different places. So it ended up being super cool. And then when I ended up like, going into the TV world, that was kind of like another shift that, you know, you come sometimes have to make yourself uncomfortable, but, um, you know, it just was something that I thought would be interesting to do. I thought it was like another way to kind of, I don't know, expand my brand, so to speak. And that became really great. And I went full steam ahead with that. And honestly, this whole shift into the PR and media coaching side of it, which I absolutely love and have learned, realized pretty quickly, like I'm really good at it because it comes so naturally. That was as a result of like the pandemic happened. I was on social media. I kept hearing people say, you know, how do I get the exposure? And I kept hearing the same question, like a lot of people were dealing with this pain point. And then I kept hearing people given a lot of the wrong advice and being told like, invest in that, invest in this. And I knew that there could be a better way. I knew they didn't have to do that. So I just like flipped the switch. And one day, like without having a website built or anything, I announced what I was doing. And within 48 hours, I had my first customer, my first client. Wow, 48 hours. So, but the truth, it's like so many people think that like I have to have all my ducks in a row and my whole business, my whole philosophy throughout my entire career has kind of been like learn as you do. And that also prevents you from investing a ton of money in the wrong thing that people don't care about. Mm -hmm. And so I just keep revising and revising. And Mm -hmm. it's almost like that's how I teach my clients too. It's like a learn as you go done with you process. So a lot of people are like, we were reviewing a podcast recording last night and so much of the premise was testing the waters and maybe you feel that this is your primary skill set, but it's not matching with what people are in need of and where the demand is. And maybe there's a greater demand and you might, that never was at the forefront of what you thought your skill set was, but you can learn it and you can embrace it and you can dive in. And it's true. It's like, it's how we A-B test ads all day and we A-B test product performance. What about our skill set matching with that demand for the client's needs? And that's when you create such a organic, sustainable and long-term business when it's just like a genuine fit of what people are looking for. Right. Like you just can't force it or it's not going to work. And honestly, even with like pitching segment ideas or story ideas or people, that is when you have the most success. That's when it comes the easiest and that's when your brand will flourish. Mm -hmm. So what do you think is next in the beauty industry? We work with a lot of different beauty clients. Um, A lot of people here have been executives at major beauty companies. They're starting their own beauty brands or marketers for beauty brands or influencers. There's so much we can do in this space, um, you know, from product development all the way to marketing to pricing analysis, sales and more. What is next in the beauty industry? I'm sure everyone would love to have, especially your pulse, as you have such a macro lens view. I think that because there's so much more access now, like it used, there used to be gatekeepers and it's not like that anymore. So I just think that we're going to see, continue to see like cool new brands. I think we're going to get to know brands and their founders, like have them be more of a synergy versus like 
a brand that you feel like you you're going to understand, I think, like a the person behind the brand more. So I think that's going to continue. I'm actually curious how or if the whole AI thing is going to inf in what way that's going to influence yeah, what the industry AI and specifically within the beauty world, there's so many different directions that can go from, you know, writing copy on a product page up to generating images for uh, retailer pages to social media, package design, and just finding about what trends are coming next. There's a million different directions. So what are your thoughts on AI and beauty? I think that within like the marketing space, there's a place for it. I think in terms of specifically like the editorial world or like pitching your product or, you know, maybe it could help you with, let's say, writing a founder story. But I do know you have to be really careful because if you rely too much on it, you will run into trouble. I, I know that... Um, a lot of like websites are not interested in anyone pitching them anything that's been AI generated. Um, there's a lot of fact checking that's, so I would use it as like a resource to spark ideas, to help you like figure out pain points. But I would also like, you gotta trust your gut because ultimately like the special unique products or ideas or trends, I think are gonna come from there because anyone can access the same AI. You know, it just depends on what your searches are. So. I think that there's a place for it, but I think that it has to be like within moderation. I, I agree. Yeah. I think there's, there's so many avenues and it's just been the talk of the town, but especially within the beauty industry. And I like that it's like, use it as an outline, as like a, a sounding board to help you get started brainstorming, but don't rely on it a hundred percent. So in terms of entrepreneurship, we talk about a lot of risks, challenges, overcoming challenges, imposter syndrome, but I would love to know, and I'm sure everyone else would love to know, if you could do one thing and never fail at it, like what would that one thing be and why? Within entre the entrepreneurship like world, it, do you mean like within my business or? I, I, even like it could be within your business or it could go beyond your business, but maybe it's all interconnected. The one thing that you know you could do and you would never fail, whatever failure means, and, and maybe that's the second half of the question. What does failure mean? What does success mean? And why would you do this one thing you can't fail at? Well, in terms of like success to me, I know a lot of people equate like, oh, I 10x my business or, you know, they equate your salary with your success. And yes, that matters. It shows that you're making a difference and people are investing in you. But ultimately, like my success or my validation comes from the wins and successes that I've seen my clients get. Like that's what makes me feel having that validation gives me the confidence that like I should keep going and that I know what I'm doing is right and helpful. So that's like how I really do interpret success because I feel like I think that I was like, I'm all about transparency. Like that's been like my, one of my brand words from day one. And even with beauty, my motto is like, beauty shouldn't be a bitch. So like, <laughs> I don't want to feel like anyone's ever being duped. Mm -hmm. So in terms of like, the entrepreneurship world, I feel like there's all of these kind of like systems you can follow and like ways you can market or get new clients. But, you know, I'm not the only one who's doing what I'm doing. So I feel like my secret sauce that I know that I'll keep doing right is really like my own take or spin or how I teach you. Mm 
is kind of like where all of my confidence lies because I totally will get imposter syndrome. I'll see what other people are doing. I'm like, wow, how did they land? I mean, it's true. Or like you think you, you know, have a new client and then they give you an excuse that they have to wait a month. And it's, so it's a very big emotional journey because you're like, you thought you got there, then you're gonna, and so I, it ju I just have to keep coming back to like, okay, I am an expert. I know what I'm doing. I've seen the results that's the way that I can kind of like check myself so I can keep on going. Mm -hmm. And so that's how you fight imposter syndrome is saying, you know, proof is in the pudding. You've done this. You have a success record. Look what you've done for your clients. Keep pushing. And that's how I talk myself out of like the self-doubt when I'm like, there's so much more I want to do. And of course I have bigger goals and of course I see what other people are doing and maybe their website looks like shinier and better and all, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like, ultimately, I think it's when you are a personal brand, I'm my personal brand, like that's going to trump any sort of like shiny website or, you know, copywriting speak or any of that, mm -hmm. because people can buy into that. But then if you can't deliver, then like, what's the point? I'd rather have like, oh, I want my website to be great, but I'd rather it like under promise and then I over deliver. Yeah. And, and you nailed it, like the power of a personal brand, whether you are a politician, whether you are an entrepreneur starting a beauty brand, whether you're an athlete, you are, you are a personal brand at the end of the day. And yes, you have this expertise because you're helping brands discover their story. So it, it is worth that organic fit for you, but share more about your personal brand and how, how did it start? How did it evolve? How do you, how do you keep marketing yourself while you're still marketing and helping your clients with PR? How do you balance both? Because your personal brand is just as important as your client's brand. And my clients, I think a lot of them are afraid to really embrace their personal brand. It's easy to hide behind things, but I do agree. Like, so I, I, I have- Embracing a personal brand. What'd you say? Why do you think they're afraid of embracing their personal because brand? Because you have to be able to put yourself out there. And in some ways it's making yourself vulnerable. I always say like, if you're looking to get famous, like that's not what you're supposed to be doing. But if, and it, again, this might sound cheesy, but if you shift the mindset to be like, I have an amazing message or I have an amazing product and you think of it as like a gift that you're sharing, it takes the ego out of it. And that's often where I'll see the shift where they find the confidence. But as you know, people going on video or people speaking, you know, they're, they're so afraid they're going to get caught up and they let those fears like interrupt their ability to share their message and grow their brand. And mm -hmm. so um, it's like kind of a constant battle that you have to learn how to get through. And, and I do think that you need to stick to like, even whether it's certain keywords or certain like content pillars, because I don't think a personal brand is sharing everything like my family life and my kid, it's pretty private and I don't share that much of my kids and such on social media, but I share my own vulnerabilities and, you know, other parts of my life. So I think you just have to be somewhat um, responsible about which areas you choose to share, but the areas you choose to share, you got to be like honest and show up as yourself because perfection is boring, you know, and no one can relate to that. And yeah. so you need to talk like your truth. I, no one's, you know, I think it's the same thing, like products, the beauty space, like nothing lasts if there's not yeah. like right? If it doesn't feel real, like mm -hmm. no one cares it. Cause almost that is almost that will give other people a imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and will turn them off. 
Yep, I couldn't agree more. It's And that power of your personal brand is like when you are presenting your personal brand and the strength of it, it helps other founders of these beauty companies say, look at that success, look what it's paved the way for Nicole. Now I can step into my confidence and be okay with my spotlight because most of their brand is probably founded on a story of which there was a problem they're trying to solve or an expertise they could bring to the market. So that is, that's, that's the value right there, the personal brand. Yeah. Is there, as we kind of like get to the next chapter of the podcast, is there any space in your life where you feel you're sitting in the stands? It's a new question. We just started asking a few people where um, imagine you're, you're either at like a football arena, for example, and you're looking around saying like, Hey, I wish he could just throw the ball to that person. Or if he could run faster, if he did this move, we would win the game. But now that game is, is you, your life, your, your career, your journey. Is there any place where you feel you're sitting in the stands? And if so, what is it? And what is the next steps there? What are the next steps there? For my next steps are that I want to take like my coaching business of helping brands. I just want to help more and more and more. And so um, speaking of like, there's, there's so much more to do. You know, I have really relied on the organic growth. And again, like the strength of my personal brand versus investing a lot of dot, like I haven't done the Facebook ads and the marketing and all that stuff. Um, but I, I guess sitting there, you know, that I want to some, in some ways, you know, I want to align with more people so we can, like, I want to collaborate with more people. I want to create bigger partnerships just so I could reach more people, just like everyone else. It's like, just as I'm teaching you know, my clients, like I also kind of am walking the walk and going through those processes too. So how do you so, balance marketing yourself and then marketing clients? Like how do you split your time? And we talk a lot too about how entrepreneurs wear a lot of hats. I'm sure there's, you know, there's accounting behind the scenes, you're marketing, you're, you're doing the services for your clients, uh, just managing the business as a whole. And like, how do you balance those two very similar, but different tasks of marketing yourself? and your clients? I will use, so let's say, you know, I book myself on a TV segment, you know, like I use the tools and strategies and even the relationships that I form, not only to show my clients, like, look, what I am teaching, I'm walking the walk. So this is going to benefit you. But then I share all of those insights because they're getting access to like the insider stuff that will help them, you know, either book that same show or I'll get like, they like this, they don't like that. So I can give them like actual um, kind of like, yeah, insider information to help them get a leg up. But in terms of, you know, Mark, so I don't necessarily focus as much on marketing myself um, outside of, you know, let's say my Instagram or what have you, because when I'm working with clients, like I put everything I have into them and I love it so much that, you know, that's like, I put everything that I have into them. And then anything I'm doing to market myself is really ultimately like, um, oh, it's almost like a stepping stone that I can then bring back feedback to them in some ways. Like they're very synergistic because, you know, they're learning from what I'm doing essentially. So if someone's coming up to you and says, Nicole, you paved the way as an entrepreneur, you brought success to your life, the 
greater beauty industry, you're helping so many people. How do I launch an entrepreneurial venture? How do I become a freelancer? How do I start a beauty brand? I'm 18. I don't know what's next in my life, you know, what's coming up, but I just know I want a less traditional career, something that I can form on my own and grow into something really unique. What advice would you give to this person as you're grabbing coffee or tea with them one day? Um, a couple things. Number one, I think that there is so much value in hooking up with like a mentor or someone that you could even like work with to learn from, because I think it's really important to learn what you don't like doing just as much as what you're passionate about. So anyone can say that they want to start something, but I feel like you have to be really honest with yourself and focused on like, what, where do you want to go deep? Because once you get invested in a certain career or category, or it, like you're going deep in there. And if you're not into it, you're going to tire and, and it's, and this isn't a short game. So I would definitely say like hook up with something or, you know, get the experience of what you think you may or may not like so that then you can kind of weed out and figure out like, what is the treasure I really want to go after? Mm -hmm. Um, and I would also say that like, get really specific, like there's a couple of questions you got to ask yourself in terms of like, if you are going to start something again, that's about building a personal brand. And it's like, okay, so like thinking about what are those keywords that like you want to have, like identify as like what your brand represents or like, mm -hmm. I think that that's very foundational and like, you always have to keep coming back to that because that will help guide you in whatever decisions you make. Mm -hmm. So that's one question I'd have them like ask themselves and like, also like, where are the, either the pain points or what transformation do you want to make? I mean, I, I don't think people should just start stuff to start stuff. I think that like, there the needs to be like the entrepreneur and the entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. Like I never in a million years, like had this coaching idea. It wasn't like there's so many coaches out there. They need another one and I'm going to do it. I mean, like, come on. But it was like, I really saw like people being steered in the wrong direction. I was like, I can't sit on the sidelines and let that happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why it happened so naturally. So you got to figure out what that is for you. And it took me a long time to realize like what my, as they say, zone of genius is or whatever it is, you know, mm -hmm. but like once you realize what that is or what it could be or what you love, like then you can fly. Yes. And it's like you said, it's like building that authentic connection with yourself and with your clients. What are you great at? Where is like the white space, the gaps in the market and filling it in? And that's when you create a genuine, long-term, powerful, self-driving business in some ways. Well, there's still a lot of things going on behind the scenes. As we all yes. Know. And, and even like wherever you are in your career, your experience, like I don't feel like anyone should think that they have to be like a full on, you know, they have all the answers. You know, because I think that you become better at what you're doing by also like learning and being open to like other interpretations or, you know, as long as you don't lose your footing and like what feels, you know, as long as you don't change like who you fundamentally are. Mm -hmm. That's so true. So many people come and they're like, okay, I don't know anything about um, the legal side of business or I know nothing about accounting or raising capital or, you know, like leasing real estate. I'm like, there, there are people out there to help you. And there's YouTube videos, there's influencers, there's books, there's countless resources, there's mentors. 
there's agencies that can help you and you don't have to be the expert, but you have to be, you have to be passionate and you have to have that drive and motivation and that willingness, like you said, to be open to learning. Mm -hmm. That is very true. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing your career, your journey, all about how it all like coaching and helping clients and really paving the way in the beauty industry and seeing it before the influencers with the influencers and all the transformations across editorial PR marketing and more. So where can everyone find you on website, social media, more? Yeah. Uh, my website is NicolePearl.com and my Instagram is at NicolePearlBeautyGirl. And if you want to like set up a discovery call, I'd love to chat with you. If you want to get some tips to get on TV, you can, I have like a free download. So, you know, I want to hear from you and learn about you and your business and goals and all that stuff. Amazing. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are going to get excited about connecting with you and learning more and receiving your coaching and PR and marketing advice. So thanks so much, Nicole, for sharing your story. We're so excited to have had you on the Dilly Dally podcast. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>